to Sugar Coated. I'm your host, Adrian Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media. For far too long, women have been conditioned to sugarcoat their words, their actions, and the way they show up in the world, and to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals. This is inherently designed to keep those who are outside of the norm from gaining power, prestige, wealth, and influence preventing more women from being recognized and respected as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me each week as we dive into raw conversations with remarkable, uncompromising, and inspirational women that will encourage you to strip away your sugar coating and move boldly in the direction of your magnificent dreams. everybody. This is Adrienne Garland, and welcome to Sugar Coated. I am thrilled to introduce you to a, a great friend of She Leads and someone who I admire deeply. Her name is Kylie McGrain, and she is the founder and executive director of A Moment of Magic Foundation. She's a President George H.W. Bush Daily Point of Lighthouse honoree, a Sarah Blakely and Spanks Red Backpack Fund recipient, and a New York Yankees Hope Week honoree. To date, A Moment of Magic has engaged more than 1,300 college student volunteers from more than 30 colleges and universities to partner with 300-plus hospitals and NPOs to provide creative programming to more than 100,000 children. Kylie, those accomplishments just stand above the rest. I'm just personally so in awe of you and everything that you're doing but also that you have created this foundation from your dreams. So I would just love to let our audience know all about you, how you came to be such an incredible founder. So why don't you just start with telling us a little bit about your story, and then we can really get into the the incredible work that you do. Well, first off, Thank you so much for the kind words and for having me here today. I think what you're doing is so important to be able to platform women that are doing incredible things in the community. Going through your guest list, I was very honored to be included in the guests that you have. But my story really is one that's pretty much, I would say, kind of a fairy tale for you know lack of a better pun or phrase. I started this organization when I was in college. I was raised by two parents in Northeastern Pennsylvania that were both teachers and were incredibly involved in the community. And that was really just a pillar of how I grew up and just my understanding of the world around me is to whatever I could be a part of a community, give back where you can and support other people. So when I went to college in the Bronx at the College of Mount St. Vincent, the really amazing thing about the school was it was so community service and service learning based. So I was really hands-on in different aspects of the community. But where I felt like I had the biggest impact was when I was working with kids. I think that I'm really a big kid at heart. And I could just see a big direct impact immediately on both the children I was working with at after school programs and then my overall mood and kind of the way that I perceived myself was so different when I was able to do these service opportunities. So mm-hmm. I was really thinking about what I wanted to do, how I could take this a little bit further. And I was kind of ruminating on all of these different 
ideas. My grandparents were both hospitalized pretty long term when I was in high school. And I remember going into the hospital as a guest and thinking about how scary it was. Everything is so cold and clinical and sterile. And as someone that was able to leave the hospital, I would immediately feel anxious just walking in. And it was really hard Mm -hmm. to conceptualize what that experience must be like for someone that has to stay there, especially someone that is a child. So I was really thinking about that idea a lot. Um, And I went home for Christmas break during my sophomore year of college. And it was during the Frozen phenomena. And my mom was just kind of flipping through the channels and Frozen was on. And she just made this passing comment that was like, oh, you kind of look like Elsa. And it was really just a little epiphany. What if I put on this princess dress and went into the hospitals and did it a few times a month and it became, you know, kind of this new hobby that I can do. But I went that first time and I fell in love with it. And I think to date, it is pretty much all I talk about. So, oh my gosh. So how how do you go from, you know, Kylie dressing up, going to a hospital to to bring some cheer to all of these volunteers that are all over the place and, you know, into all these colleges? I mean, passion is obviously driving this, but practically, you know, you've really created this incredible outreach program and this movement. So how, how did you bring that into being? I think for me, the two biggest tools that I had were, like you said, that passion. Once you go that first time and you see that impact that you can make on a child, and then you have parents reaching out to you from across the country with these heart-wrenching stories about what their child is going through, I never wanted to have to say no to being able to support Mm. their families. And I knew that what I was doing was so much bigger than myself, both for the families we were serving and the impact that it was having on myself personally, that I wanted to share that with as many people as I could. So I wanted to get as many college students specifically activated in this work because I think that they're really under tapped into resource. I think that college students are really passionate. They're really driven. They want that experience and they have the time and opportunity to go out and serve their communities, but don't always have the resources or the training on how to do so. So that for me was really a driving force behind getting the work done and putting the pieces together. But I think the best tool that I have were the people that were around me, whether that was my friends and family and my now fiance really showing me that I could do this and believing me and saying, how can I help you? To the professors at my school that really took me under their wing to show me that I could do this. And this is something that I Mm. could build to the mentors that I've met along the way. I think all in all, it's really the people that you surround yourself with that help make the most significant impact on the trajectory of what you want to do. That oh, I love that message so much. And I, I think the ability to even, you know, welcome that help and, and ask for that help is something that sometimes women, you know, we as women block, right? Oh, no, we can do it all ourselves. But there would be no way that you would be able to to do this all on your own, especially with the amount of children that are in the hospital. And I love that you sort of looked at around at your peers and said, wait a minute, these college students, they're really going to get something out of it. And they have the time and the ability to do it. So while 
I'm sure there are many other people of all different ages that would be, you know, would love to do work like this. Really, the college students are your your best uh, resource, if you will. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that, you know, going, to, you have two really great messages there. I think that's something that I struggle with and we all struggle with every day is asking for that help. And I have yeah. been very humbled over the last few years learning that I don't always do things the best and getting yeah. <laughs> that help and having those people that are experts in different areas. I've just learned how much better you are when you work as a team, whatever that looks like. Um, and that's a practice that's much easier to say than to do all the time. Absolutely. But it's really important <laughs> to lean into those people. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I'm just, I'm curious why you chose the path of nonprofit, right? You could have definitely created some type of a for-profit organization so that you enable this to happen, especially around entertainment and all of this kind of stuff. So when you were deciding, you know, how, how do you almost go from, from you to a business structure? Why did you choose nonprofit as the structure in order to operate everything? And how does that, how does that even, you know, how does that work? And then even practically, like, what's the process to become a nonprofit organization? So I applied for a nonprofit organization during my senior year of college. And I remember going to the library and printing out the application for my articles of incorporation and trademarking and copywriting and even just the nonprofit status in and of itself and felt so overwhelmed. So I really was lucky to have professors on campus that would sit down and help me file that paperwork because it really is mm. an overwhelming and grueling process. And it's also yeah. a lot of work to continue to retain that status because because you have to jump yeah. through a lot of hoops that are different from the for-profit sector. But I think for us, when we look at what we do right now, which is that service, which is the programming that we provide, what was really important to me was that there wasn't a barrier to entry. I think when you look at the healthcare system in the United States, one hospital can be so vastly different than another hospital just based on funding and accessibility. And I didn't want our yeah. program to be limited by who was actually paying for our services because every community needs these types of resources to provide these types of services to kids because otherwise they don't exist. So that was really important yeah. for us. Um, to date, we have never charged for our services, especially for our families. Everything is free of cost. So there's no barrier mm -hmm. to entry and they're able to access it. These services that otherwise might not be possible. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And how how do you go about raising funds? Because obviously, you know, you, no matter what, you're operating, right? And so you need to cover costs. And, you know, unless you're completely independently wealthy, you also need to, <laughs> to, to live and buy food and, and shelter. So is your program really based on fundraising? And how, do, how what does that look like from year to year? Absolutely. I think this is the one area where we've had a lot of growth, but there's still so far left to go because there's never enough money in the bank account to do everything that we want to do. 
So for us, it really does rely on that general grassroots fundraising. It's the $20 that you donate on someone's birthday on Facebook, or it's buying a Mm -hmm. ticket to our upcoming gala. All of those things make a really big difference. But what we've started to do is also really actively pursue charitable grants, corporation grants, government funding, because those can really move the needle a lot. So that was an opportunity that we really took advantage of during COVID that was really our saving grace when we couldn't have any kind of events in person. Yeah. And how did, how did COVID affect your ability to go into the hospitals? You weren't able to do it, right? We really had a difficult time during COVID. I kind of like giving the metaphor that a moment of magic is like this little snow globe. And when (laughs) we started hearing that hospitals weren't going to be accepting visitors and college students would have to be evacuating, someone came over and like shook that world completely. (laughs) Our entire business model was disrupted. And we sat down with our board of directors and our volunteers and our staff and said, we have two goals here. We want to keep our staff employed. We want to keep our volunteers engaged. We want to continue providing our programming and our services. We want to make it through this next however long, back when we thought it was going to be maybe a few weeks and ended up being a few years. (laughs) (laughs) But we were so lucky to be met with such enthusiasm from our community that they felt like they needed this to help them get through. So, you know, our volunteers had to leave college campuses, but they had some kind of normalcy or some kind of semblance of control of being able to help their community while isolating in their bedrooms at home by putting on their costume and FaceTiming a child that was on isolation in the hospital. Wow, that's amazing. And do you continue to to sort of have that in an ongoing way? Because it's another way to be able to reach people when you, for whatever reason, can't get into the hospital. Absolutely. COVID really gave us a lot of room for creativity, which was really exciting to see. During the last few months, we actually launched our own streaming service on our website. So now we have all of these different types of videos for kids and families and hospitals to access 24-7 that it's totally free of charge. That is so cool. I am so happy to hear that because I I can see for you and for a moment of magic that, you know, this truly can grow and and change into something that is able to be accessed at any point. And then the in-person can be even more special than, than it ever was, right? So they get to know you through all of this online activity and, you know, just watching all different things that you do. And then, oh my gosh, when you show up, it's like a movie star, literally a movie star, uh, you know, coming to visit. So that that's just so, so exciting. Now, as the, you know, executive director, I'm sure that you're super busy with administration and staff and all of it. Do you still get to go into the hospitals and participate, put on, put on your Elsa <laughs> costume? <laughs> So I do. I really try to make it a point to continue these relationships with families. I don't dress up in costume anymore because I think that that's really special to keep in the college age volunteers. Ah, But I live not too far from Sloan Kettering and NYU Lincoln. So if we have a family come in that is traveling from out of state or is in for treatment, I'll try to meet up with them or do FaceTime calls because it's really important to keep your finger on the passion when you have those days of, you know, filing tax returns and dealing with all this crazy stuff that comes with running a business. It's so important to tap back into why you're doing this in the first place. And for me, I always 
am reminded of that so effortlessly anytime I'm able to have the privilege to interact with a family. That's so great. Now, is a, a moment of magic, it's throughout the United States? Yes. Wow. Wow. That that must be so incredible. Do you get a chance to travel around and, and meet the volunteers? How does that all coordinate and come together? It never ceases to blow my mind that there are people that are volunteering for the organization and wearing a logo I helped design with the colors that I picked out that I might never be able to meet. It's truly remarkable. Um, But every year we have a conference. I know you've been a part of it in the past, but this year we did a conference in Wisconsin at the University of Wisconsin. We brought in all of our chapter presidents and we work together for a few days of training and team building. And it's really remarkable to see these young people that are so energized about getting out and serving their community and making a really big difference, they really are the backbone of the organization. And for me, they are a constant reminder of, oh yeah, I was that young and energized once too. So you know, yeah. how can we continue to give these opportunities to college students that are making this huge difference? You know, I think one of the things that's super interesting about it and that I think makes it in addition to being satisfying for the college students, right, of course, like, you know, if you if you go into a hospital, you try to bring joy to, to the kids and everything like that, that's one thing. But I think that as a college student, you're still trying to uncover who you are and what your identity is. And by by dressing up, you're not only helping the you know, the the children, the patients that are in the hospital, but you're also helping the college students to kind of like, you know, put on a persona where they might be able to be more outgoing or more caring. You know, maybe they think that they're too cool or, you know, whatever it is. And so the, the costume gives them permission and allows them to maybe be more of what they might want to be in the future. It's like this unintended benefit for them. Absolutely. I always say that the costume isn't our mission, but it's a vehicle for our mission. And our mission really is twofold. It's that impact on the families that we have. And then it's also the impact on the volunteers. And I think for them, it provides them with a community where you are already relating to other students that are your peers and your age that believe in the same things that you do, that prioritize the same activities and experiences. And like you said, it gives them this opportunity to connect with people and really see how important one person can be to someone else. And I don't think that there's a better confidence booster than that. And, you know, sometimes we want to say that volunteering should be totally selfless. And I think, of course, you want to go in as someone that helps other people and it's never for yourself. But there is this added benefit of understanding your place in the world and how this small act of kindness can really make a huge difference both on someone else and yourself. Yeah. I I mean, I think that that's the beautiful thing about volunteering. And even like when you were talking at the beginning about starting this and how great it made you feel and how it gave you 
confidence that was a little bit outside of yourself that you eventually incorporated into yourself and your personality. And I just think that that is such a beautiful thing. And and the more that, that we can do to help others, and if it makes us love ourselves more and see mm-hmm. ourselves more as giving people, then, then that just perpetuates. And that is an absolutely beautiful thing. You know, I was also wondering you know, I don't know how many colleges that you're in or if you have like goals for, you know, reaching out to however many more colleges. How do people that are like either college students or like, I I don't know who it would be at the college that you would like kind of connect with. How, how can they know about you and like sign up to be part of the network? How can they do that? Absolutely. The best resource is our website, amomentofmagic.org. We love working with college and university officials, especially in the student life department. That always really helps us kind of kickstart the organization. But I think what helps us the most is when we have a student volunteer that feels particularly passionate about our cause and what we're doing, because that really helps us have an advocate and an ambassador at the school. Um, And that is the most powerful thing that we can have. So if you are a college student or you know a college student that might be interested in this, um, the best place to go is to our website. Awesome. And is there, are there any colleges or, you know, that, that you really would like love to get on board that maybe you've had a challenge like getting into for whatever reason? The answer is we want to get into all of them. We want to work with all of the hospitals (laughs) Um, because as many college students as we have onboarded and trained, there are always times in the year where either a visit is too far or we're already at capacity that week and we're not able to make it work perfectly. So we have to do some rescheduling or offer different services. And our goal is to never have to say no to a family. So if we have a really big gap, you know, in upstate New York, and you're listening from upstate New York, you might see that we have two chapters already in New York City, but that chapter in upstate New York can change the trajectory of one child or hundreds of children every year having this ability to um, be able to reach these families. So I think that Wherever you are, you are so appreciated if you come and check out our website because the more we grow, the more we can help. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm committed to helping you to spread <laughs> the word. So my kids are now college age. So I will definitely get them on board. I mean, I think that that would be so incredible. They're, they're boys and, uh, you know, who knows if, if they're, I'm sh- and I'm sure that there's plenty of, uh, you know, young men that, that mm-hmm. want to do this and everything. But I also can imagine that it's more skewed toward female because we're just... We're just, I think, more caring as a, uh, you know, a gender in general. (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, we need all kinds of kinds. We need everyone to volunteer because there really is that power and representation as well. So if you know a college student or you are a college student, please, please, please reach out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the other, the question that I'm sort of wondering is, of course, you want to expand, you want to reach all the colleges, you want to reach all of the hospitals, and and there are so, so many. But where do you sort of see a moment of magic growing? Like, what, where do you see it moving into and like maybe morphing into? I think when we first started the organization, Honestly, I didn't know it was going to be an organization. I thought it was going to be my hobby. And I thought that it was this really sweet and cute thing we were doing. And it was, you know, it's such a thing that made you feel so good. And I didn't really understand how 
important this is, is to provide children with opportunities where they can just be kids and how that really does have significant impact on their health, um, especially their mental health. And where we have really taken a step back over the last two years is where do we want to go in the future? And we really want to be proponents for children having access to programs like this that support their mental health. So whether that Mm. is these costume characters or whether that's helping train volunteers that can lead arts and crafts activities or movement activities that bolster that mental health, especially, you know, not only for children that are hospitalized, but are children that are facing traumatic situations. Now more than ever, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's something that is happening to one of our communities. We want to be a resource that communities can call on to say, hey, we need something that helps children express grief what do we do? And we can be there and stand alongside them to help them through that difficult time and after. Because as yeah. we know, these circumstances aren't lasting for weeks or months. They last for a lifetime. Um, so we really yeah. want to be community partners to other organizations doing amazing work in that way. That's incredible. I, I love the fact that you're sort of tapping into mental health because you don't always see uh, people who are suffering mental health issues in hospitals. Oftentimes they are, you know, it just in their home, right? It takes a lot for somebody to sort of be hospitalized for mental health issues. And at that point, it's probably not appropriate for somebody to to go in while someone's hospitalized for a mental health issue. But I, I do think that so much more needs to be done for these younger kids who they don't, they don't know how to, they don't even know what it means when some traumatic event happens to them. And it's almost like not until much later in life does it start to really affect them in a negative way. So anything that can sort of, you know, help and support them earlier on, I think is such a incredible thing. And there's not enough support, you know, as as much as, There's the schools and the parents, you know, everybody is so busy. The pandemic has affected everybody across the board. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just been really, really difficult. Even, you know, even my kids who are now college age, when the pandemic was happening, they were in their later years of high school, when you really start to form your identity. And if you're isolated away from everybody, when you're trying to form who you are in the context of, you know, social situations and you don't have those situations, then you're going to struggle. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, I I see it uh, among my, my kids, friend groups and everything like that. It's, uh, it's, it's sad. And, and I think that that's not going to show up until they're even a a little bit older too. And it's heartbreaking. So I love that you're, you're talking about, it's almost like the unseen because sometimes we don't see mental health issues, right? But mm-hmm. they're they're certainly there, and then they express sometimes in ways that are, you know, harmful to to themselves or or to other people. So I love that a moment of magic is thinking more broadly, almost about what like health and wellness is. Exactly, and you know, when you think about younger children, they don't even have 
the verbiage to explain how they're feeling. And the way that they explain is through play and through movement and through really facilitated conversations. So if we can get more people feeling comfortable having those conversations or leading those activities, getting those volunteers in the hospitals to help support healthcare workers that are already at bandwidth, that can make a really big difference. So I was really thrilled this year. We put together a medical advisory committee with a group of women that are in all different aspects of the healthcare field, and they are so phenomenal. They're helping us develop programs that will help train volunteers to lead these type of activities that are not replacements to therapy or healthcare services, but supplemental to those services. Um, Because I think, you know, kids and people in general need all of the support that they can get. Yeah, this sounds wonderful. I mean, you know, from from when we met and what you were doing and what you were building, which was phenomenal back then, to what it has now grown into over a couple of, you know, it's it it hasn't been that long, right? You've really come <laughs> far in a in a short amount of time. So you should be really really proud of what you've created and what your vision is for the future. I'm so impressed by everything. And, you know, I, I, I love what it is that you're, you're doing. And I loved the fact that you were able to come to the She Leads conference because I do, you know, take a lot of time to curate who is there, uh, whether it's from the attendee perspective or the speaker perspective. And I think the, the more that women can come together, like you just mentioned, you know, the women that you brought together, the more that we can bring women together and share our expertise with one another to create great things that support society and people and children and all of that, that's the thing that's going to make a, a huge difference in in the world. So, yeah. Well, I, I just, I really appreciate all of your kind words. And like I said, I really appreciate what you're doing with She Leads. I remember having a picture of your logo on like my board that I kept above my computer every day. And I kept looking at it. I remember emailing you asking if I could set up a table. And I just feel so grateful over the last eight years of this journey for all of the people, but specifically for the women that have kind of taken me under their wing, that have been mentors, that are have given me so much time that is beyond generous, because I hope one day I can be that for someone else and turn around and hopefully make their path easier. Because I think being an entrepreneur is a very lonely and scary place to be. And when it you sure add is. female yeah. in front of that, it it exacerbates that even more. And when you have women that are supporting you and making it easier, it really does make all of the difference in the world. So thank you for creating this type of community and space. Oh, thank you. And it is my pleasure. I, I love to showcase women like you that are doing wonderful things in the world. So uh, you know that I'm I'm here for a moment of magic and I'm going to do everything that I can to just bring more people into the fold. You know, you, the minute that we met, the minute that you reached out to me, I was like, yes, you know, this sounds amazing. And plus, plus like never, you know, anything that I had ever heard before too. So I, I think that that is something that was intriguing in addition to being really special. So, you know, it's my pleasure and it's my pleasure to be in company with you. And, you know, I just hope that you continue to grow and expand and bring everybody into the the world of magic, not just a moment, but a world of magic. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. And just go to a momentofmagic.com 
org to find out everything that you can about the organization, how to become a volunteer, and, you know, most especially how to donate and support your organization. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of the summer. Thank you so much. You too. Thank you again for having me. My pleasure. This is the She Leads Podcast Network.